Well, we're going to hear a work that was premiered in October in St. Louis that is called yet another set of variations on the theme of Paganini. When I left St. Louis as music director 23 years ago, I asked the four people who had been composer in residence, plus Bill Balcom and myself, we would all write a variation on the 25th Paganini Caprice. So it was a shortish piece, about 11 minutes, 12 minutes, and good fun. And I thought for this occasion, rather than ask for one big new piece, I would add five more variations to it. So all of a sudden, John Corleano's in the mix, uh, my wife, Cindy McTee's in it, my son is in this, uh, a couple others as well, already with the previous ones, including Joseph Schwantner, Joan Tower, Donald Erb, Claude Baker. Uh, it's about 20 minutes long now. It was very successful at its premiere, and surprisingly for a work by 11 composers, it came together as a whole, and it's fascinating to hear different takes on how the Paganini theme is treated so we'll, we'll hear that a little later in the season, and I suspect we'll see some cakes popping up here and there. Speaking of works by multiple composers, I was watching a video of you from Prince Albert Hall, I think it was the early 90s, conducting a performance of Mussorgsky's Pictures at an Exhibition with some familiar and, to me, very unfamiliar arrangements of uh, the movements and the promenades from pictures. What happened then? About 30 years ago, I was at a New York Philharmonic performance where Kurt Mazur conducted a performance of pictures in an orchestration by somebody named Sergei Gorchkov. I was fascinated about it, with it, rather, and I began to look up other versions of pictures. And over the years, I have discovered about 35, just for orchestra. We're not counting the rock versions, we're not counting the New Age versions, the versions for accordions, the ones for guitars. It is simply the one piece in the classical repertoire that has the most variance to it. So I started to compile my own sets of orchestrations and using movements by different orchestrators. I had three versions of that, including one that had the Great Gate of Kiev with chorus, organ, and orchestra. What we're hearing is the latest and probably the final one that I do and that I'm satisfied with now. The others were a little gimmicky, but fun. Now, what I did was to take the Ravel, which has been criticized by several people, not me, but others for being, one, not Russian enough, two, more Ravel and Mussorgsky, three, he was either working off a faulty edition of the piano version or 
intentionally altered things in the piano version. And I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to take the piano version and fill in the blanks, the things Ravel either left out or changed in very dramatic ways. A lot of the little things I kept. So, for example, there is a missing promenade that Mussorgsky wrote, and I orchestrated it in the manner of Ravel as if he was doing it. The beadlo, the ox cart, in the piano version starts loud, in the Ravel version it starts soft, so I've just simply altered the dynamics to make that work. In the ballet of the chicks and the shells, Ravel cut out four bars at the end, and I think the two of the four bars are actually really cute and funny and all that. A lot of things are subtle, and most people listening may not catch them, but there are these few items which make it a little bit different. But to me, now, I'm, I'm very content with this because it keeps the Mussorgsky more or less close to what he intended the piano version, but also still, when it comes down to it, the Ravel is still the best of the groups, so I'm pleased to have that. And I've, I've done this off now. It's, the, the interesting, one of the interesting things about this, I've recorded this piece commercially six, six times. Um, all the versions, you, you can find them all. Uh, so how, how did that happen? Why did you well, end up recording it six times? I, I did uh, one in St. Louis. I did one for Reader's Digest, which then got transferred to RCA. And then I did another one for, I forget who, of the Ravel, the straight Ravel, no problems. Then the first compilation was on a set commemorating my years in St. Louis. The second one of my compilations was on the uh, Nashville Symphony recording that I made of it. And the final version has been on the relatively recently released set of all the Ravel music for orchestra that we've recorded in Lyon. Why do you and so many other composers and arrangers want in on pictures so much? It's a very good question. I'm not sure maybe because they're little miniatures and that they are descriptive, make it ideal for larger construction. When you hear a title, like the ballet of the chicks in their shells, or you have something that's called the catacombs, they automatically conjure up not just visual images, but oral ones as well. We can imagine what they might sound like. In the case of the very original pictures of Victor Hartmann, we don't have them all. Mm. We know what most of them look like, but not all of them. And I don't even think Mussorgsky was trying to represent the pictures themselves. I think he was more intrigued with the titles. I suspect it's that element of it that's attracted so many people. So when you think about it, there aren't many pieces that do that. You could argue, for example, that a work like Carnival of Schumann could be orchestrated, although Ravel orchestrated a few of the movements, but not really. It it's, doesn't work. Another thing was that a lot of pianists considered the Mussorgsky piano version not so much unplayable but awkward mm. and not so well suited for the piano. So when you hear that opening theme, the vision of the moderately portly Mussorgsky walking through the museum with 11 beats, so not the usual left, right, left, right. There's either one foot missing or another one that's been added. 
we automatically think, well, it needs to be presented in a way other than the piano. So Ravel, of course, uses the trumpets, some use the woodwinds, Stokowski used the violins. Uh, everybody has a different idea about what they think it should sound like. But I think it is the visual representation of the titles that make it intriguing for all these people who have tackled it, especially the ones who are pianists, like Ashkenazi. Right. There are even versions that we know about that were destroyed. Carlo Mio Giulini made a version in his youth, and he decided not to do it. There are also three versions that were made before Ravel did his. So there's still a lot of mining to be done, but now I'm going to leave it to others. Maestro Leonard Slatkin, our music director emeritus with the Detroit Symphony Orchestra, about to conduct our orchestra in Maurice Ravel's edition with a, a few adjustments of Mussorgsky's pictures at an exhibition. Maestro, thanks so much. Thank you. For WRCJ, this is Peter Worf. Peter Worf.